Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, use the code PulpMX to save yourself money there. We thank those guys for being sponsors of these podcasts for a long time. Brand new website, best prices in town, free shipping for some international guys over a certain amount of money. And like I said, anything you need for your bike or body, BTOsports.com has it. And use the code PulpMX to save yourself money. This is also presented by Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the full line of 2014 products, soon to be 2015. Foxhead.com, visit local authorized Fox dealer Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon. Just some of the guys that wear Fox. All right, it's very special podcast, very excited to do this. Uh, not too often that you get a couple of these guys uh, free and willing to sit down and talk. And if you're a fan of motocross, there's no doubt you've heard of these two guys. First up, uh, six-time motocross and supercross champion, former factory rider, the Rick Johnson. What's up, RJ? What's happening, gentlemen? Uh, good to be here. Thank you for doing it. Also on the line, uh, his buddy, uh, former factory Kawasaki rider, seven-time AMA motocross and supercross champion, one of the greats, well, both these guys, one of the greats, the Jeff Ward. What's up, Wardy? Oh, doing good. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I appreciate both of you guys. Like I said, I know you're busy, and uh, I think the fans dig this kind of stuff. And we did it a while ago with Lachine and, and you, Jeff, so I got a lot of good feedback. So, I mean, when you oh. think of 1980s motocross, uh, it's you too, and pretty much that's it. So, um, first I'll start with you, RJ. What's new? What's going on in your world? Oh, uh, a little bit of everything. You know, kids, kids, kids. I don't know if you look at Wardy's or my uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're always bragging about them. Um, Watching, watching Warrior Sons race and wrestling and all the different stuff. And uh, so for me, it's the same thing. My oldest son, Luke, is racing trucks, and our middle son is playing lacrosse and going to CSU, and our daughter's uh, down at the art school down in San Diego. So between that and still doing the military schools and, of course, racing trucks. So I just yeah. got done uh, racing X Games for uh, Red Bull and Ford in the uh, – uh, GRC uh, Global Rallycross deal and had a blast. Didn't do as well as I liked, uh, would have liked, but uh, nonetheless, it was unbelievable. That thing was like running a, a rocket roller skate. It was so fast, so small, and so quick. Yeah. Um, so had a great time there. But um, other than that, this just every day just keeps swinging. Yeah, no doubt. And Wardy, you're, you're working with Jason Anderson, and uh, that's going well. Uh, won a title this year. What else is going on? Well, like RJ said, kids, kids, and more kids. Yeah, you know, my daughter's in club soccer, so we just had a tournament, and then we have one travel one this month, I think, somewhere. And 
Erickson qualifies for Loretta's, so that's mm-hmm. got to fit in there somewhere. And <laughs> going to Red Bud this weekend, and then Brandon, my older son, racing Supermoto again. I guess it's coming back or something. And um, so, you know, yeah, it's the same old stuff, just uh, trying to juggle a schedule to make every, everybody happy. And <laughs> it doesn't always work out. But, well, uh, you it, know, it, that definitely uh, keeps us busy and on our toes. If Supermoto's coming back, Wardy, 3X has got to come back. I've been training hard. Yeah, it looks you know, like it. Mountain. Yeah, yeah. I raced, I raced Mammoth, and of course, Dubok beat me, but he'll beat anybody over <laughs> 30, 30. Right. So, uh, <laughs> um, but that was fun. I felt good. But, no, nah, you know, it's uh, I'm kind of, I don't know, giving that up. I like to, I've been mountain biking a ton, so I'm getting my aggression and mm-hmm. and uh, energy taken out of that and, and staying off the bike where it's, uh, it's probably safer. Well, at least sometimes it's safer because they got the stupid – Strava deal with KOMs on downhills, which yeah. I don't know who came up with that, but <laughs> I've, I've been doing a couple of them, and when you get done, you're just like, well, that was stupid. And right. You forget about it for a week, and then you try it again. Yeah, be careful, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't Dubok beat you, RJ, like kind of when you were in your prime at Mammoth? Isn't that a familiar story? I think, didn't the doctor do that to you? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, make, I'll, I'll, make it real, I'll make it real simple. No. Okay. Um, I thought I remember I, Dubok upsetting you at one point there. Um, no, Donnie Hess and I had the big super dice in, in the 250 class in, in 82, which was awesome. 25-minute um, moto. We went back and forth. Uh, and then I came back in, in 89 after my wrist, and, and I swept all three classes. But, no, I don't remember okay. that. All right. Um. Hey, uh, obviously, uh, big big news in our sport. Well, if if Dubok is listening, you, you trust probably, me, yeah, you're going to hear about it. In. Yeah, you'll know if he did. Right, right. Good point. Um, uh, the big news in our sport, obviously. Before we dive into your careers and, and, and all that, let's talk a little bit about uh, the sport nowadays. Both of you are active, watching, involved. Uh, Wardy, you're at a lot of the races. The James Stewart uh, provisionally suspended by WADA for what we pretty much believe is Adderall, um, didn't have a uh, therapeutic use exemption. First, I'll go with you, Wardy. What's your thoughts on all this? It, it, it's good. I mean, some people in the pits are saying this is not necessarily a good thing. This hurts our sport. The testing is no good, and he sells tickets. I don't believe that, but there are people who say that. But either way you look at it, it's a bad deal. Well, I think it I don't know, shows how big our sport's getting now that we're getting you know drug tests, or, or maybe it's the money to mouth that people – you know, maybe here they're making. I have no idea, but um, you know, I seem to always get in trouble with James with stuff I say about him and <laughs> what's going on. But you know, truth truth be, I mean, I, it, you know, nobody should be using anything, and whatever is le- illegal is illegal. Um, you know, I know Jason's had some bad colds and strep throats and had gone antibiotics, and he made sure he got whatever he, you know, took mm-hmm. was put on the list, and you know, they all know what's going on. So you know, I don't, I haven't heard, I'm totally out of the loop on you know mm-hmm. all this uh testing and you know kind of what's going on with with james and and what the next you know steps yeah. are if there's any or if it, he does have a problem or you know whatnot and you know as a, if it's good or bad for the sport you know i don't you know i don't think it's never good when somebody gets would caught using something and you know hopefully there's a good reason for it and um you know everybody learns a lesson from it i guess yeah. Uh, what about you, Rick? What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, I just want to be politically correct, and so I'm going to say yes, exactly what Jeff Ward said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, 
I'm, I'm yeah, getting good yeah. at that. This, 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 is a slippery slope. this is a slippery slope that we're on. And, and also, obviously, James, James is, uh, you know, uh, we're all part of a brotherhood here. And <clears throat> you don't want to see anybody get popped for anything. Ironically, I was flying out the next day that, 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 that uh, Mathis, you and I talked, and I, I see Roger DeCoster in the airport. Mm-hmm. So we're talking. He's all, man, have you seen that video from James at the Monster Cross deal? Um, his buddy handing him a pill and then him taking it on the starting line, which, for one, if, if that was Adderall on a starting line, that's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna jump into your system in, yeah. in five seconds, you know. Um, I went and got tested for ADD, and and, it, and they tried me on Adderall, tried me on a couple different things. And when I went and took it, I didn't know what was going on. They said, okay, when I did the couple different tests, I had to do it each day, so it would be, could be completely out of my system. I would come in and do my test. They would give me a pill. Uh, sometimes it would be a fake pill. Sometimes it would be a real pill. And I would have to go leave for 20-some minutes and then come back and then retake the test. Um, so as far as as far as far if, if it's Adderall, you know, yeah. um, why is he taking it? Um, if he's having trouble focusing, um, is that legal if you're having trouble focusing? Or so should you be able to take it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, if I don't have tr- if I have trouble getting tired, should I be able to take steroids? Right. Good point. No. Yeah, good point. Um, right. Right. So if something is making me a better racer uh, and it's a banned substance, you shouldn't you right. shouldn't take it. But on the other hand, um, and saying that you have a prescription for it doesn't mean anything. You know, I, right now I'm 50 years old. My testosterone is a little lower. I have some gel that I rub on every now and then to um, <laughs> to, to raise my testosterone levels. <laughs> But I'm not being tested, and I'm not in. I'm not, you know. Yeah. I'm racing off road trucks and stuff like that. Um, so, but once again, it, it's just only he knows. Only him and his his the people around him know the truth in that. And if it is if it is just that, why wasn't uh, FIM or, or somebody else notified? Um, so, it it does suck for our sport, but. We have a set. We have rules you have to play by. When we started racing FIM stuff, I remember when guys were racing two strokes, and I was working for Suzuki, trying to get that unleaded fuel to work on bikes didn't work, and yeah. a bunch of guys got popped for running leaded fuel. So a rule's a rule. If you you have to run a 450, you can't run a 500. If you're right, running a 250, right. you can't run a 350. So if you're not supposed to use that that shit, then don't. Or if you if there's a legal way of using it. Then and you know it's not wrong, then you inform everybody. Just like Wardy said, when you're sick and you're running different stuff because some of the painkillers and stuff have codeine in them, some of the cough syrups and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if you get caught with that in your system, you're popped. But if you go to them and show them what it is and they say you're okay to run, yeah, then, then that's it. So it's kind of like uh, you're only guilty if you get caught. I don't believe in that. Uh, Wardy, uh, talking a little bit about training, obviously you're helping, you're helping Jason more, uh, I think mental stuff and more on the bike, mm-hmm. right. Than than the actual training or have you sort of well, helped him with training too? Yeah. I mean, we we do the gym. I've, I've had a good, you know, experience with my lifting when I was racing and, and okay. strength, getting strength and, um, you know, cardio comes on the bicycle. He has a program through another guy that he gets his program for cycling, uh, percentage of what days and heart rate and you know all that's all scientific now um where i just would go off of how my body feels and yeah and give my effort 100 percent until it doesn't want to give it and then i let it rest but there's so many things some riders like and that's what he does so but 
um, you know, motor wise and what we pick and days and, you know, I have a big say in what we're doing and, yeah. and, um, you know, definitely mentally of what's going on with, you know, I'm sure when he was winning, trying to win that championship, I was the same way in 84, my, my 125, I was a basket case and the pressure, you know, <laughs> right. the races up to it, I was confident, but then all of a sudden everything comes in. Well, what happens if this happens? What happens if I crash? Or right. I get hurt right this week? I mean, it's just all these things jumping around and, just had somebody I think that's been there and and get it, you know, in his head what what he should be thinking and, and just cover all the bases basically. But um he's a good kid, great kid. Yep. Ton of potential, you know. I think he'll even be better on a four fifty. So um, you know, I'm enjoying it and um, you know, having a good time at it really. Both of you two, uh, you know, we talked we, we all know how hard you guys work and how much you guys trained. I mean some of you guys I don't know, I think you did triathlons in the middle of the week or on off weekends. But Wardy, do you think and obviously you don't know Alden Baker's program or, or, you know, these other trainers, but you certainly, you're hands-on with Jason Anderson. Do you think that guys nowadays are doing more than you guys did? Or are they doing less because we're, we're a little smarter about rest days now? Like, what, what's your opinion on that? Where do you think we're at as far as training in the sport? Um, I don't think anybody's done as much miles and during the week and running is what we did or because we were kind of hooked up i know johnny and you know bailey and mm-hmm. you know ricky had his deal but i was just i was really concerned with my programs of just not overtraining. you know i mean if, if i was tired i didn't have to meet a number during that week to be happy with the mileage i put in mm-hmm. or whatever but you know like when i did run i was a decent runner i mean i had some i had good times i was a good cyclist so I was able to get that fit, but, you know, the writing part of it, you know, doing your motos is the most important thing that you can do, you know, I think on the bike. And I always made sure I got those numbers in, you know, for the mm-hmm. 240s and the 140 the next day or 320, whatever my program I kind of set up. Right. Um, I made sure those got done before I really dabbled in, you know, mm-hmm. the mileage stuff. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, a lot of guys today are, uh, you know, they all think they overtrain, you know, because they do something hard and yep. it wears them down. Well, in my day, that, that wouldn't have been that hard. <laughs> right. So right. Um, I think that kind of catches people out. You know, I hear all these guys, you want to go on some mountain bike rides and they do it for a week and they don't want to do it ever again because it was so hard. Um, but yep. you got to build a base and you can't do it in the middle of the year. And you can't, you know, and you right. got to want to do it. And, you know, you got to want to do what it takes to win at all costs. I don't know Alden's program. But you know, the biggest thing is that, you know, you have to do it. You can't skip days. You can't, yeah. you know, say, I'll do it tomorrow. It's Whatever program it is, you just need to do the work, you know, and uh-huh. get it done every day. And I think with that, it brings your mental game up is that, is that you put in all your work, whether it's the same as that guy or mm-hmm. different than this guy, but you did your work and that builds confidence RJ, know, to go out and win. RJ, you were in pretty good shape, obviously, uh when you raced, you wouldn't have won all those races and those titles. But did it ever bug you when motocross action or or the, the common perception is that Wardy and O'Mara were just so gnarly? And I don't remember a whole lot of, like, RJ trained so hard stories. I mean, I'm not saying they weren't out there. But obviously you were putting in some work, too. But I think maybe you did a, you did some surfing and things like that, a little different strategy than, than say, Wardy or O'Mara. Yeah, I was somewhere in between Lachine and and Wardy <laughs> and all those guys. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, a that's a wide that was, range. That, yeah, that was that was that was the that's how they portrayed me. And at first, it bugged me a little bit, but then you know 
I mean, Wardy and I, Wardy knew that I trained. They didn't know exactly what I did because those guys, like Wardy did the Takati, uh, or, uh, Sam, or not Takati, yeah, Sonata yeah. to Sam, or to uh, Rosarita Ensenada bicycle mm-hmm. race yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. And same with Brock was doing a lot of competitive cycling and triathlons and stuff like that. So me, I didn't like, I didn't like it so much because I just felt it was, I, I had a hard time pounding in the hours. We didn't have, you know, you had to carry eight cassette tapes back in the day um, to, <laughs> to, get, to get any kind of new music and stuff. Right. Um, so what I, what I did, I did stuff a lot different. Um, I would go out and do my motos, typically no more than two, and then I would go either to the gym or I would uh, ride my bicycle back from the, from the track or run at the track. To, to take myself completely, to drain my tank completely mm-hmm. so that each day I did something completely longer, way longer than, than two motos um, so that I knew that when the beatings came, when the beatings started on, on Saturday night or Sunday mm-hmm. uh, during the day, that there was, it wasn't going to bother me. I was going to make it. So, and then when I practiced on the bike, I did everything with a stopwatch and I made sure that I was fast. And when my motivation wasn't there, when I was feeling sick or this or that, I learned because I hurt myself so many times to sometimes it was better to just walk away. You mm-hmm. know, there was a couple of times and Wardy could probably contest this, but he was a lot more of a hammerhead, I think, when it came to practicing and testing and stuff like that. Later in my career, I would get on the bike, I'd do a couple of laps and I just, I would, I would explain to people that I'm, I don't feel it and I can't see it. They go, what do you mean? I'd go... I'm focusing on everything, and I'm not focusing on one thing. And they, and my dad and people around me, are like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about. It. I'm like, just weird. You ever have that comfortable stare when you're looking across a room and you don't know what you're looking at, but you're staring? Mm-hmm. Well, I would get that on the bike, and I would see everything, but I would wouldn't see specifically the targets that I was looking for, whether it be a berm, a jump, uh, whoops, uh, the next corner, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I felt like that, I would I had to just take a day off. So do like two laps, pull in. And, and walk away, and that's when I would go surfing or go play ride yep. or go mountain biking or, or do something to to get me motivated again because the biggest thing for me was that I had to want to kick the shit out of Jeff Ward on on a race day. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have that attitude that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die right. or I'm going to beat him or, he, or I'm going to die him beating me, right. it was, was, was going to be a boring day and, and he was going to beat me. Um, because that's the thing is that you, you have to have that killer attitude. I mean, if you look at Warrior, I, we'd be on the starting line and not look at each other. It's kind of funny, but we would like, there was a form of hate. We didn't want it. We didn't want to kill each other by that kind of hate, Yeah. but we were willing to beat ourselves up to the point of complete failure to beat that next guy. So that, that's some, that's, that's a hell of a motivating factor that someone, you're, someone's going to put themselves through a beating. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, uh, so it was that kind of deal. And and to expand on what you're talking about, Alden Baker, is that I'm so impressed with Alden is that how he keeps these guys motivated. You know, if you look at the transformation of Ricky Carmichael, of the different athletes that he's gotten, and now Blake Baggett, how strong Blake is and stuff, um, and how these guys push so hard at the end of the day, and, and and Alden has that ability to motivate him. So whatever he's doing, whatever he says to them in the corner, that these these young guys will go out there and push so hard. You know, God bless mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, I, I did. I don't know if listeners fully grasp this. Uh, you in 
85, Jeff, you won 250 uh, Supercross and Motocross over, over Rick. Right. 86, RJ, you win um, Supercross and the Nash, 250 Nationals. Uh, 87, yep. Wardy, you come back with the Supercross win. RJ, you you uh, no it's wait, the outdoor. You took the yeah. outdoor, yeah. Um, 88, Wardy, uh, RJ, you won the Supercross title. Wardy, you won the 250s, and Rick, you won the 500s. I think in 88, there was um, yeah, there was a span of two three years there where it was one of you two guys doing the winning. Overall, I added up the titles. Overall, uh, in in head to head series without major injury. Um, Wardy, you're up eight to seven. Congratulations! <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that, was that was that because I got second to him or something? Or what, no, just know. whoever won the series, whoever beat who in the points, I added up without oh, the in- oh, okay. without the major injury. Um, right. You know, like in the years, there's some years you didn't race each other. But um, here's the thing: here's here, and I think in in the '80s you were either a Rick Johnson fan or a Jeff Ward fan. I don't think you could be both. I really don't. It wasn't possible. Um, right. No. No. I, I I didn't know anybody. Not myself. If we were on the if we were on the same brand, then maybe it could have been possible. We were a separate brand as well. Yeah. Even, oh yeah. No, none of my friends. Nobody I knew. Nobody I've talked to. You you had to choose. It was it was incredible. But how was there a point? And I'll go with you, Wardy, first. Was there ever like a was there a point where you guys were mortal enemies? I mean, just not even saying hello. Just not even talking. Did something happen on a track? How bad did it ever get, if at all, between you two? I don't. I mean, I, th- I mean, RJ was probably yeah, probably the toughest competitor I had, and probably the toughest competitor that anybody out there had. Um, like, like like what he said earlier. You, I mean, I didn't know RJ that well. I mm-hmm. mean, he probably didn't know me. Just he knew of me because my racing and his racing. But like I said, we never hung out. We didn't grow up in the same town. We didn't. You know, we knew yeah. we had. So much in common of what we did, we, our respect there was, I mean, was incredible of one another because of, you know, I knew what I did to win. And when he beat me, it's like, wow, this guy's not, you know, sitting at home <laughs> doing nothing right. to be able to do that. Right. So the respect there was super high. But, yeah, you hated, you know, RJ was flashy. I was quiet. Yeah. Um, so he was way more flamboyant when he won than I did. I was. I was a little more, you know. Mm-hmm job oriented and that's what helps our sport and that's what makes our sport great when you have one guy like that and another guy a little more you know mm-hmm. business like or whatever you want to call it um but you know no and even like when we went to the the, the nations and you know stuff i mean yeah would you guys talk and, well, yeah okay so you would and, talk and, yeah, yeah. Of yeah we helped one another we walked the tracks we ran the track that day once in france um went there for a reason mm-hmm. but once we got on the gate even there you know we both wanted to win but we did, you know, we had team orders to, yeah. as the race went on of where we needed to be, and, and we made that work every time we, we got together. But, um, yeah, I wanted to beat him in the worst way. Yeah. So whatever it took, like you said, was, to do that was what I was going to do. But we never got close to fighting. Yeah, okay. Um, no, none of that, right? You know, right. I don't, no, we weren't. But I don't think I'm, you know, I'm not that type. RJ was never that type to be fighting guys every time he came off the track. He would be pissed. <laughs> Um, and he'd let you know on the track if you did something, but, uh, I was a rider that I don't think really ever got under the skin of a lot of people cause I wasn't a dirty rider. So, uh, I didn't really have to look for people coming after me, you know, with the X mm-hmm. on my back cause I did something. So, um, we never got in that type of heated battle of taking each other out. Like a lot of riders did in our era that, you know, yeah. T-boning was, le- was legal. <laughs> <at the time. laughs> so it was, a, it was a means of, uh, 
getting your aggression out on the track and yep. not getting in trouble because he's getting trouble off the track. What was there? Didn't trouble him. Was there times RJ on the podium where would you guys say good job to each other, or would not any of that? Was there not even any? No, 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 not, not really. Not, not right where right where we're at it because um, I would be so pissed, man, and <laughs> at war. Well, I mean, I had bad boy, and then he's got who's bad. Right, you know, right. <laughs> there was all this, all this, this, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. And of course, you know, people are spurring it up. I had Brian Lun- Lunnis, who was who was the king of negative motivation, you know what I mean? So so he would just sit there and go, like, you know, he even called, he called Jeff Midget and stuff like that, and, cause, and, and he was like, you're not going to let him beat you, blah, blah, blah. And so, and like, Wardy would do this, like, fist pump, and I'd see it, because, you know, sometimes sometimes I'd be half a lap behind him and see it, but other times <laughs> I'd be close and range, and I'd see it, and I would just be like, oh, God. Right, right. Man, I don't want to let because the biggest thing I think when when it comes to winning and stuff like that is that you don't want to let somebody else celebrate on your behalf, mm-hmm. you know. But when I I would just look at it for the next week, okay, what what did he do better than me, and what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. But when it came to it, it was it was it was a so intense during the year for the 250 national, 500 out, 500 outdoors were usually, I think, probably some of the best races that the both of us had mm-hmm. because it's at the end of the year. It was hot. It was it, it really it was a dick dragger because they would really beat you up. And um, and we had a and I've told this story before and Wardy's heard it a thousand times and he's told it. Um, we showed up at a place called the Flower Track yeah. and I got there yeah. and Wardy's in the back of his truck. We're doing what you're never supposed to do. Both of us show up alone. Nobody, no, no wingman with us because <laughs> right. you know I think both of us are too cheap to hire a trainer to be with us every day. And uh, so he's getting dressed. So I'm getting dressed as fast as I can. He takes off and he does like one lap. I get on my bike and I take off. And so we went like as hard as I could go and as hard as he could go. And we were giving up like a half a bike length and then I would gain half a bike length and I would gain half a bike length <laughs> then lose two bike lengths. And you, you could, the track was so narrow and so slick. You're like, I could see if he spun his tire too much or and when we did this for over 45 minutes because he ran out of gas <laughs> and he had to push his bike back to the truck. Uh, and I kept going because I'm like, I'm, there, I know he's got a stopwatch on me, so I can't. Yeah, right. And I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt of, of stopping now. So I just kept going. And that little prick <laughs> threw his bike in the back of his truck, changed like in two seconds and drove off. And so like, <laughs> as soon as he drove off, I was just like, "Woo! thank God. Because <laughs> I was hoping that my bike didn't run out of gas like, on the far side from the right. thing because it was all uphill back to the truck. So, and, and we've talked about that because we've had some I love you, man, moments. So we normally had them like in Paris. Okay. You know, yeah, when yeah, the right. races were over <laughs> and we, we, you know, we were completely drunk out of our mind because we each drank two beers. Right. <laughs> and so we'd like, you know what, Worry? What? I really don't hate you, man. I, I really respect you. Yeah, I respect you too, blah, blah, blah. And then on the, on the fight the next day, we're back to hating each other because we're getting ready for him. <laughs> but so so no, never ever was it. I'm gonna punch him out or yeah, this that because yeah. he didn't race like that. And you know, I mean, yeah, I, I knocked him down at at, at Pontiac. Pontiac, right? And I don't know if I yeah. was really. I was trying to kill him. I was just. I kept falling down and getting back up. And and I was like, okay, I'm leaning into him a little bit more than I need to, right. and took him <laughs> out. But it wasn't. I'm trying to kill this guy. Yeah, that was my. I was going to bring up Pontiac, so that even that did wasn't so much. Uh, hey, I'm going to you know no no words were exchanged or anything else, Wardy, when you went into the 
that the one you went the camera in? I think that's yeah, that's the one where you. Yeah, went. I went to the, yeah, I went to the tractor or something. Yeah, I think it was on the owner there. I can't remember, but yeah, Ricky was always better than me pretty much through the hoops. So he had a drive coming and right. I was turning left and he was going straight, so it kind of came in the middle. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good hit. It was a good hit. Um. Was and uh, I thought for sure I thought for sure that was going to be the one that, that he was going to smack. If I thought he was going to smack me, that's where it was going to be. So I kind of yeah. I kind of stood there waiting to take it because I'm like, well, you know, I did take him out. So if he yeah. does hit me, I kind of have it coming. It, it's uh, it's funny because you were almost teammates. I Roy Turner's told the story. Rick, you told me the story. Um, you were talking to Cowie for '86 after you left Yamaha. It was uh, yeah, yeah. It was maybe going to happen. Yeah, they came down. I tested the bike. I, I dug the bike, and uh, Wardy and I, because we'd worked together, um, it was kind of two teams in the 84 motocross and trophy nations. Wardy and I hung out together, and Johnny and, and David hung out together. And I think Roy saw that and saw that we, because we've, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, when I, I guess when Wardy and I became friends, because I, I was a fan of his, you know, when he was racing JB, Mission Viejo, Honda, and stuff like that, that he came down to a friend, a mutual friend that we both had named Brian Anacci. And we went down to, I think it was Coronado or something like that, went boogie boarding and, and, you know, had a blast. Mm-hmm. But then, once again, he went back up to Orange County, and I was in San Diego, and <laughs> right. we were doing our own thing. But um, I was, I wanted that because I, I, had, I, I figured, you know, I raced against him. I knew how hard he trained. I knew how meticulous he was on bike setup, even though my, my body type was completely different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 6'1", 180. Uh, Wardy, how, how tall are you? Like five six, not a good day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what were you about a buck fifty, buck sixty? Yeah, like one forty eight, something like that. Yeah. I think. So yeah, totally, yeah. totally different, totally different setups yeah. and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, but still, but but having having that because I would sit there and I I think everybody kind of admired the friendship that uh, Osho and and David had, and so I kind of thought, yeah, this would be kind of cool, be me and Wardy against them, and then then they grabbed the dogger because he was. Two, two or three years younger than me, so mm-hmm. the rest is history. But yeah, I was planning on it. I was looking forward to it, and it didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been that would have been what 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 would have been, huh? In motocross history, I found it. I found well, it funny, like watching the looking at your guys' records. Like in '86, RJ, you're on the Honda. Wardy, you don't even qualify. You're the defending champion, which and you don't even qualify for A1 because of a broken throttle cable. That I yeah, was, I, you know, I had that rule change because they had like. 18 through 20th went home and the rest yeah. went to the semi, but there was always four spots left on the gate. Um, so yeah. after that happened, it was like, we need to, we can't have, have that happen again. where past champion or whoever, even RJ or somebody doesn't make the yeah. event because they can't go to the heat race. And it yeah. was a throttle cable that snapped. Yeah. So that kind of hurt that then season start. 87 RJ, you knock yourself out at a one uh, and then you break, yep. then you break fingers. Um, yep. uh, 88, Wardy, you do your ankle at some point really bad. Uh, yeah, I broke, well, I broke my ankle in 87, and then it was a problem all of, for a while, and then I cased a jump in Jersey, and I took the, you know, yeah. bad ankle off the, the <laughs> foot peg and took it with the other one, and it broke that one, or dislocated it, actually. <laughs> right. And then, of course, at 89, RJ, you do the wrist, uh, looking like you're, you're, you're the man on top of the world. It's kind of funny how in, in all these series, like one guy was kind of derailed by an injury, or RJ, you had that DNF that put you way back in, in the shortened 250 National Series in 88 when your spigot broke. So, like, it's kind of funny. You guys were the men. But then each series, different things would happen a lot. 
um, you know, to kind of kind of tilt the favor into one guy's favor, one guy's hand or the other. But is there one series? I'll start with you, RJ. Was there one series that you consider you and Jeff were you know just on top of the on top of better than everybody else and just fierce battle back and forth? Is there one series that stands out? Wow. I no, know because like like that's the thing is that obviously it is different man when you when you know somebody no matter what happens is going to be there that's yeah. how you train all the different stuff and it didn't matter um you know if, if 40 was was hurt or i mean hell the dude jumped off it wasn't Larko's leap it was the next jump in the day i mean in the 500 national uh, <laughs> all of a sudden his crank blows he he flies in the air it's probably like 80 feet and cases the next jump with his ass and dislocates his tailbone. And so, (laughs) you know, I'm thinking, so I go, I go there, I see him laying there holding his ass and and I see his bike over there. And immediately I'm like, ah, don't need to worry about him today. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, man, both motivated. I can't remember how the finish went, but he was there the whole time, you know, (laughs) and we won't even talk about what Dr. Fagan had to do to put that (laughs) tailbone back into place. That's enough to put you to therapy. For years, so I'm, so still, it, I'm it actually was, still I, feeling it sitting down here talking about it. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's I, no, I don't look at it like that. I just yep. think no, because it wasn't just a series, man. Every and, and I bet Wardy will agree to this. It didn't matter where it was. If it was out at that Flower Track 500 Supercross, to get the Outdoors Daytona, whatever it was, right. I I would I was willing to die, and uh, I know I know that he was too. Because man, I. I I felt the pain, and and I, and I know that he felt it too. It wasn't. It was. I mean, there was. I think in some cases earlier in my career where I didn't train as hard, mm-hmm. where where I don't. You know, I was hurting a lot worse than he was. But you know, in the middle of our of our heated battles, when I was working hard, both of us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put uh, each other through well, a lot of pain. Well, it's hard to be. I mean, to go through the series. I mean, these guys know the grind nowadays. How long it is. It's hard to go every week and and be at that top physical at some point you're going to be off a percentage and you know right. there were a lot of times when we weren't meeting the same he was off i was off. He, it was like we show up and guys man he's on and i'm feeling a little bit and the next right. week, man i'm on and he's not so it's hard to throughout the year and then you got to throw in five or six other guys bailey and johnny and, mm-hmm. and you know and all these other guys into the mix that are that are training hard and are talented that can win motos and um you know, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, that were, that would come in there and you wouldn't expect and, and you get beat by them because you weren't, you know, you were a little bit off because the last week you boiled over trying to <laughs> right. stay ahead of RJ or whoever it was for the, yeah. the, the two motos in 100 degree heat. And was, so there's so much up and down throughout the year that it's, it's you know, that's what builds it. That's what makes the champions. You're able to, you got such a good base that even your downtime is only a couple of percentages off. Mm-hmm. Of, of your max it's not you're not 100 percent, but you're also not 80 you know right, you're right. Just, you just don't have the snap sometimes but you're still willing to even win that day it might not be pretty but you still put yourself in that position every time you go out um i'll ask yeah. both i'll ask both of you guys this uh first war to you was there what was rj you mentioned his you know, obviously strength in the whoops i'm thinking more national wise but maybe supercross was there a track or a place where you're like i got this guy I got him. Was there anything that comes to uh, mind? You know, I don't know. I mean, hard pack tracks with burn. You know, I'm yep. pretty good at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think a lot of choppy, high speed. RJ was just better at. I mean, maybe it was that that practicing at Palm Avenue all the time, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, or Carlsbad, you know, a track like Carlsbad. I, I'm I'm a guy like kind of likes to be on the the right line a lot. Yeah. You know, and and RJ can be off five feet and it doesn't affect him. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, so those type of tracks probably were better for RJ than myself. But I don't think I ever went to a track thinking, you know, man, I got this. This is my track. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. The talent that RJ has and the other guys, they can adapt to it. Yeah, that's what. That's why you, you know you're, you're champions. You can adapt to. Tra- I hated sand. That was my yep. kryptonite. Was any you put me in sand and I'm not winning that day. It's <laughs> basically the truth. Yeah, you know. So and I had that in my. I hated it. I just I didn't have the style. I grew up in hard pack mm-hmm. where I feel the back tire. I sit back. I don't lean. You know. Yeah. I lean forward, braking hard. I don't lean off the back with my on my tiptoes and never use the brakes. You know. So. Um, I did win Southwick one time. I think it was with my bad ankle, and I think Dogger had the win, and his uh, silencer pack came out or something. And I won with like a two-three. Oh yeah, or a three-two or yeah. something. That was the only time I ever won Southwick, I think, and it was given to me. So, <laughs> um, what 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 do you think, RJ? Was there? Well, I guess sand. Were you like when it came to Southwick? You were like, I got Wardy. I got uh, you know. I can. I don't know how you got to be good in the sand though, Rick. Riding at Carlsbad all day, but um, well, my size. My size helped mm-hmm. So Wardy, Wardy's Achilles heel was the fact that his legs were too short and his ass was too close to the seat. Right. You know, so he, so you'd come down Southwick, and this is back when bikes had head shake. You know, mm-hmm. even though bikes were good, man, bikes, you know, little little technology things have changed bikes <laughs> a lot. You know what I mean? They didn't, grade, that. they didn't grade the track either from the amateurs the day before. So it was like rough. <laughs> exactly. <to point> out. <laughs> so I had the leverage. And it, it would help a lot, and that's why Dogger was fast in a lot of those races, like Southwick and, mm-hmm. and Millville and stuff like that, because he used his his leverage to help him out. And Wardy was more compact, so it, once the bumps started, you know, bumps started getting like two to three feet. Now you, you now you have to extend your body back and forth and let that let that leverage work. That's what that was the advantage for for myself. Mm-hmm. But Wardy, you know, being smaller could accelerate hard. Where he would where he would beat me. And when I won my uh, in '86, we went we each won up in up in uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. and so um, I was I was leading the first day, and Wardy caught me and passed me, and I was like, "Damn, what did I do wrong?" You know. Mm-hmm. Well, he caught me because him being smaller, he could come to the inside ruts. I mean, he would kill me little tight ruts. Mm-hmm. He was because he could slow down, you know, 150 pound guy. And accelerate, and so when I would try to do that, being 185, it was it was it was harder to stop that weight and gain that weight. So what I did from day one to day two was completely change my riding style, which went all to the outsides, mm-hmm. and just kept my momentum going. Even though it was longer, I could keep being a bigger guy. I could keep that momentum around the turn and then down the next straightaway. So I ended up winning on Sunday. He won on Saturday night, and and that taught me a lot. So I had to change. Whenever I raced against him, I knew that he would take the shorter route to starting and stopping, and I had to just keep my momentum. So sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. Uh, the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money. And uh, Fox Racing, of course, Foxhead.com. Listen to this race tech commercial. Use the code PulpMX2014 to save yourself money. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back with the legends, uh, Rick Johnson and Jeff Ward. BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. 
Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Race Tech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Race Tech suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike. Use Race Tech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Race Tech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Race Tech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race Tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back here on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Um, both of you guys, uh, uh, no doubt, um, you know, won a lot of races and finished second behind each other. I'll go first to you, Wardy. Was there another rider that you were concerned with back in the day, back in those era, back in that two, three, four years where you two were going at it? Was there anybody else that um, you know could could I guess Dogger maybe uh, was that another guy that you were like, okay, he, this guy could beat us? Um, yeah, you know it's. I'm trying to think of the time frame, you know, I mean, yeah. before, you know, Bailey got, we, Supercross, you know, because I ran 125s in 84, so I didn't mm-hmm. run against Ricky, and then, you know, I moved, I moved up to 250s in the, you know, in 85, and it's kind of when it started, and, yeah. and uh, Bailey was running 500s at the time, you know, so at that time in the 250s, probably no, you know, mm-hmm. um, but then 86, you know, you had Bailey, and Johnny was, right. was Johnny on Suzuki that no, year, or? Honda. Yeah. Um, Honda, um, you know, so you had other guys that, you know, that were, we didn't run the gauntlet and win 14 races or anything, either one of us, you know, mm-hmm. we had five or four or five that year, you know, and, and then Johnny'd have a, Bailey'd have a couple, two or three, you know, so there was yeah. a lot of guys that on any given night, you know, you didn't get a start. It wasn't just RJ, but there was, you know, one or one year or so in there, two years that, that was the main concern. You know, I'd whole shot and, you know, which I shouldn't have been doing it. I'm trying to find where RJ is, you know, instead of riding the track, <laughs> right. like right. second, third. And if you saw him second, you went, ah, oh, shit, you know, and yeah, yeah. if he was 10th, you're like, okay, maybe, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to run me down here at the end. Like he's done before. So sometimes you just get mentally of, you know, when mm-hmm. the guy's riding that strong, he's hard to get out of your head and just worry about what you got to do, mm-hmm. you know? And even though how easy it is to say that, um, it's hard to, it's hard to do. Yeah. So, um, and you, you tighten up when you didn't tighten up in heat races because, you know, RJ's behind, if you were behind him, you were fine. Yeah. But you get off front and, you know, it's, it was easier to chase and it was the lead. And I know it happened probably to both of us where you tighten up just because, you know, the guy's chasing you when you shouldn't be thinking about it. So, yeah. but it's hard to say, and there's yeah. just so many good guys in, well, that, you like, know, in that era that, that were, uh, that could win, especially with Sheen, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get when he showed up. Um, yeah. And when he was on, you know, I don't know if he, you know, he'd be lucky to beat him when he was on and he had all, you know, everything working right. Yeah. Like 86, 87 or 87, 88. I don't know. Besides dogger. I don't know who else won any races. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who won any, I don't, I don't, but Johnny, I mean, Johnny, I think in 80, 
Johnny in '86 on a Honda was was he was good for sure. Yeah, but then he came out. Um, where was it on the Suzuki? Was it '88 when he, when he, his frame broke? '89. '89. '89. Yeah, and and I wasn't you know I wasn't that great that night, and I think I ended up winning. But but Johnny was way out in front, and his frame broke. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And Johnny, when Johnny was on. And Wardy can attest to this. I mean, Wardy had Wardy raced him more at Indian Dunes than I did. Right. Um, and you couldn't touch that guy there. Uh, but when he when he was going fast and he was mentally strong and stuff like that, and so smooth and not make a mistake and just so fast. Because when him and Wardy, especially in '84, when they went back and forth on the 125 class, mm-hmm. it was I was a, I became a fan. I would sit on the starting line. I would just watch those two just go so fast and those 125 screaming all day long. So, you know, I, I, I feel, and I think Wardy kind of does too. You feel bad when people go, Oh yeah, you guys dominated everything. Well, it was like, the results <laughs> don't tell the whole story. Oh, you, know, you guys was, are like, big. Says, there's times when, when Lachine just kicked our ass, you know, <laughs> right. and then away he goes. <laughs> right, <laughs> then right. Next week, he wasn't there. Well, that was about, that was about the only time that RJ and I would get, al- get along on a, on a victory podium when we'd, we'd be sitting there underneath the trailer, <laughs> pouring sweat, just like still gasping for air. Ronnie won both motos, and he's doing a victory lap. And <laughs> yeah. you know, he'll come in and take his helmet off. His hair's not even wet. And he's just looking to get to the airplane to get home. You know, we're just looking, <laughs> talking about how in the hell right. did he just do that? We'll be flabbergasted. Yeah. yeah. There's just no way. But the guy was that good. And when he was on, there's yeah. nobody touching him in the world. That was just the plain fact that our talent was yep. not going to beat that guy if it was all firing on all cylinders for whatever reason. Right, the right. Mixtures all, the mixtures it, all worked together. The potions all worked together for that day. <laughs> it had to have been <laughs> weird for both of you to show up at a 500 National um, or at Seattle or Pontiac, and just doggers gone. Just see you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had his, he he had his good days, and right. he had his bad days too. But yeah. you know that that's yeah. the thing. So it, it, sometimes when when we talk about the different stuff, um, consistently, you know, in eighty seven, eighty eight, uh, Wolfie and I were consistently up towards the front, and that was the thing is that uh, you know I knew that if I could even on the my, I, I had a philosophy on my very worst day, I can't get worse than fifth. You know, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm yeah. completely out of sick or whatever, if I can stay in the top five and then win the rest of them, you know, that's the attitude I have, you know. I think Warrior had the same thing, is then I can win the championship. So mm-hmm. if, you took, if you took care of each weekend, uh, just be the best you could be on that weekend, then the championship just sort of fell into place. Right. Um, and then as far as practicing, there was that one time at the, at the flower track that like you said, was there anything else that where you guys were at the same places? No, uh, no. Like, well, 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 and that's the thing, like we already made mention of it is the nations. Right. And in 84, yeah. um, we, you know, Johnny and David were, I mean, those guys were thick as thieves, man. They're their best friends. And so then it's like, Wardy and I are like over there. Hey, you want a party? Sure. Yeah, let's hang out. Right. So we kind of did our thing, and it was kind of a competition within a competition. Johnny and David did their thing, and it wasn't intentional, but those guys hung out all the time anyway. So now all of a sudden on the track, Wardy and I are you know, kind of, hey, look at this line, look at that line, right. and, and that. And then we went to France. You know, we, we got up and ran by the Renault plant in the morning, and we went and you know, ran the track and talked about lines. And 
and and all the different stuff. And and I honestly, I, those are the times of my racing that I loved it because this is a chance for me to team up with a guy that you know that is my motivator, the guy that I get up in the morning and I, I go run mm-hmm. a little further because I know he's running, and I bicycle a little harder because I know what he does. And, and all that stuff. He's the ghost in my head to make me a better person. And so when I got there, now all of a sudden, you know, I could, you know, I'm talking to Oz. Okay, what are you gonna? What would you do here? You know, and we, right. and it was important that we both did the best that we could be because we weren't in the same class, but we were on the same team. And like Unadilla, you know, we went and trained together. We hung out together. We parked side by side. We walked the track together. Mm-hmm. And then there was Bob. And yeah, um, Bob Bob didn't show up. <laughs> Bob didn't show up, right? He was doing his own thing. You guys were both like, "Where's our Where's Bob?" And he he was out. Yeah, <laughs> Bob. He was Bob, being Bob. Bob. Funny is, yeah, Bob called us pussies and liars and and all this stuff. He's like, "You guys are so full of shit. You hate each other and this and that. Now you're like Benedict Arnold. You're acting like you like each other and this and that. And and I'll be I'll be I'll be honest. Wardy Wardy can say that he hated me then, but. Honestly, yeah, I it felt it felt great, man. It felt yeah. great to have somebody that that I know how good he is be on my side now. You know what I mean? It's like right. I got, you know, I got I got the guy that I'm finally, only aiming we at. Could finally, work, we could finally worry about somebody else. You know? Yeah, finally yeah. worry about somebody else. The other, somebody else on a different team instead of the same guy all the time. Now it's like when you saw Ricky out there, you were like, yeah, he's right there. Cool. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah, yeah, Wardy, yeah. Wardy, remember the first time we got on the bikes in Pennsylvania? Remember I crashed that time? But we're out there doing our thing. Of course, who am I trying to beat is him, you know? And we're looking at each other on the practice track, and we're going faster and faster. And I come up with this great idea to try to jump this hole down on the bottom, down by the trees. I case it, and I go over the bars and stuff like that. And Wardy comes up like, what the hell were you thinking? You know, like, well, evidently, wasn't the right thing, was it? Right. And 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 it's I was motivated because I'm like, man, he's going faster than me. I need to find where he's going faster, and mm-hmm. obviously, it wasn't there. Some other place. Uh, <laughs> uh, was is there one race? I'll, I'll ask Jeff. I'll ask you this: Was there one race for that you two had that stands out? Uh, Supercross Nationals? Anything where mm. you two went at it? Uh, the sticks you went at it. Uh, the sticks for Hangtown. Um, 87 or something. We got together somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think he passed me on the last lap. I had a broke, I broke my ankle that year. And I <laughs> of did course a couple you super did. Right. Then I had surgery. We had, you know, stitches still in it. And we're up at Hangtown. And yeah. I, I remember, I, I can't remember, but if I was leading, but RJ came in. He, he knew which ankle it was. So <laughs> he came in, <laughs> stuck his leg in, what? you know, came straight in with the front wheel. He knew I wasn't putting my leg out to block it. Yeah. <laughs> got by and I, I think he won that day but um it was a good battle mm-hmm. you know we had some definitely some uh some, in san diego one year i think i i think it was the year i had the, uh the headset on my my ears where i was able to move from right to left wherever when every time rj was behind me <laughs> the block and then uh and he got me like on the second to last lap or the last lap for the win so yeah. um there's been plenty of them that that we've had some great battles and like we said, we, we weren't dirty riders. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like there were yeah. races to where you went, oh, I'm going to kill that guy the next race. Cause he just T-boned me or yeah. took me off the track. You know, the passes were legit and they were, you know, they were work. He had to work hard to do it and I had to work hard to get it. And, and, um, so there was, you know, definitely more than one. RJ, is there, well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, there's a, as fast as, as fast as where he went and, you know, we were like, if you're watching the stopwatches, we would exchange 
who was quicker one lap or the next, or the guy behind would break a little bit deeper or carry a turn open or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. So a lot of times when you pass somebody, you had to come in and, and rub them or bump them because you're both going the same speed. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was a way to if there was a way to just ride around somebody for a championship, dude, I'll take that all day long. I would much rather not have the, the conflict, the chance of, of hurting each other. But you know, sometimes that's what you have to do to get by. Mm-hmm. Now chopping, you know, that these some of these guys that completely dive bomb everybody and they meet each other in the middle of the corner, I think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the races that I, that stands out in my mind, the San Diego race was a great race. Um, but, and honestly, I don't know, Wardy, if you won or I won, but down in San Antonio, uh, we had a 500 oh, yeah. dice down there, and we also had a 250 dice down there, and it was so hot, and people were dying and stuff. <laughs> and you and I just went back and forth and back and forth, both motos. And uh, so it was that, like, Honestly, I don't remember, but I just remember yeah. how bad I hurt at the end of the <laughs> right, day. Right. And then also the one in Vegas when it was 107. You know, we went back and forth, oh, back and forth. That and one, I, yeah. And I, my, my tank, and I, and I, I got up to Wardy, and he went to push me off a berm, and then I pushed him off a berm. And, and uh, so there were so many. Yeah. And there's, like I said, it goes back and forth. And I think it's kind of cool that Wardy mentions dices and races that – I, you know, I, I think that I, I won that San Diego that he's talking about, but it's not just, it's not a race that, mm-hmm. that, that he won. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. Because it's about the, it's about the race, man. Yeah. It's about the fight. And, and that's cool when you have an adversary that, like I said, makes right. you want to, makes you want to take a chance of killing yourself. Was there a race, RJ, that you remember where Wardy was untouchable? Where you were like, he got me? I can't, I can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. And by the way, Wardy, I was in Sweden doing the testing <laughs> for the Global Rallycross car, and I, the backside of the track, it looked just like the track where you demolished everybody oh, in Sweden. In this nation. And so I'm looking, I'm like, no way, this is the place, because they had a little <laughs> motocross track. Yeah. And it, right. looked like, it looked like, you know where the first turn was? How we had a long downhill Weeper. first yeah, turn, the scariest Weeper, first yeah. turn I've ever raced in my life. So we're over right. there at uh, Motocross and Trophy Nations. And so um, we don't have a stellar weekend in, in uh, Finland, but we still win. And we go to Sweden, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a great weekend at all. But Wardy, I, I still, and in, there's nobody, I don't know anybody that doesn't say that this was probably Wardy's best ride. He Everything that he did worked perfectly. I mean, even his Jofa never slid down the whole day. <laughs> and and and, I, and sometimes it's hard to have to hear someone brag about you this much, Wardy, but it was true because you everything that you did, you come around a corner, he'd go to wheelie, he'd jump, it would hit a rock, and it would like pop him perfectly to the other side. He'd land on the downside of a whoop, and then he'd wheelie, and he'd wheel path like six whoops down the straightaway, clicking gears, never missing a gear. And he, I mean, he was in a class by himself that day. So if there was a day that was Jeff Ward day, mm-hmm. it was yeah, in yeah. Sweden, <laughs> and, and he just, I mean, he just pounced everybody. You know, that, that race is actually on YouTube. Uh, it's got no English, not English announcing. I don't know, Swedish announcing, obviously, but I found that race on YouTube, and yeah, Wardy's gone. See you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, good, think, I, think, I think I think I remember it. Seven. Because Roger came to me after practice or something, and he looked all pissed off or something at me, and I'm like, uh oh, what I do? And, <laughs> and uh, he's like, what are you doing out there? And I'm like, uh, don't know, I'm just riding. <laughs> and he's all, well, you're, are you cutting the track? And I'm like, no, I'm not cutting the track. And he looked pissed like I was cutting the track. 
because <laughs> I had like five seconds on the next guy, you know. So it was like it was even in practice. Well, I got knocked out the week before, mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm kind of making that as the excuse to knock something haywire for a week. <laughs> right, right. And then, it, and then it went back to normal after I left Sweden. So I don't know what happened after that one, but yeah, it was a it was a good day for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Against, I mean, and back then. You know, I mean, well, now now it's turned the tables a little bit too. The Europeans are some great riders, but especially back then. Yeah. I mean, back then the European guys were, you know, they were looked at as equals outdoor motocross to to American guys. <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I think we talk right? about them. This is like, oh yeah, they're subhumans. They're not as strong as us Americans. <laughs> no, but I mean, back then people were still like, oh, like Thorpe. But what would happen if they raced together? Thorpe and Gabor's and these guys, Joe Bay. Like, we didn't really yeah. n- know. That Americans were coming on that much, I don't think back then. I think it was still in doubt, you know. But and those they, guys were good outdoor. I mean, those guys were. You go there and you thought you had your yeah. shit together. You go out to practice and you come in and you find yourself in eleven. Yeah. And you're looking at the guys and you don't even know their names. Mm-hmm. You're like, who is he? You know. I mean, they were so serious about practice that back in the <laughs> states we didn't have time practice, so we were out looking at lines. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And trying different things, and we felt pretty good when we came in, you know. Like mm-hmm. oh, that was good. That was good practice. And then you got your times, and man, you weren't even there. And then, of course, they're going to let you know about it, you know. So yeah, it made you feel it was just a whole different thing back then. But those guys knew how to ride outdoor for sure. Right, right. It was. Uh, hey, Warrior, on one, one more thing. Like I have this vivid picture in my head, and we laughed so hard. I forget what what country this guy was from. It was like a little small country. Had. I don't know what color his helmet was or whatever, but do you remember the dude in Sweden that never stood up? Remember he sat down the whole. He had like a, he had like a couch for a seat, I think, wasn't it? Like... <laughs> yeah, he had like this, like Vander, whatever his name. Uh, Vandervan? Keys Vandervan? No, not Vandervan. No. Keys Vandervan was that guy hauled ass. Right. This guy yeah. was just. He sat, he sat some down dude, a lot some too, but... Right. Sat down the whole time. We're like, how the hell did he do it? And he would bottom out and like case these whoops and stuff and he just wouldn't he just sat down and hung on so you can imagine Mathis never standing up and it's like <laughs> it's amazing right. i don't know how he did it right right uh and yeah. then, he wasn't on the podium that day did you guys find no, out did you find out uh rj did you guys hang out a little more on the off season in europe at these at these races like you said in paris and or was the rivalry still i know you talked about getting talking at the at the after parties but at the supercrosses in europe and you guys did a shit ton of races over there uh, I can imagine how much cash money you guys must have been bringing home. But anyways, um, did you guys ever, like, did you, was it more relaxed or was it still, like, I don't really want to talk to this guy? No, we still didn't yeah. talk. Okay, all right. We still didn't talk, no. <laughs> okay, all right. We never traveled together. We never hung out together. Right. Bypassed each other. But, yeah, we would. Everybody would be down in the lobby at, mm-hmm. after the race because you're trying to find food. And, right. You know, nobody, nobody can sleep. And Mitch Payton's down there and everybody's going crazy. And, you know, it's right. just fun laughing and having a good time, you know. But, um, yeah, we never traveled anywhere in Europe. And, and then even when we were there, I mean, we'd have production bikes with our suspension. And you'd go there with the fact that we're getting, yeah, like, we're getting a ton of money for show up. I don't care about the race because we don't get paid. Yeah. And then as soon as the gate drops, that, that goes out the window. <laughs> right, right. So now, now, yeah. now you're riding a bike that doesn't handle too well. It's got a stock motor in it, and you're risking your life for no money because yeah. you're getting paid anyway. Right. So, because you don't want to see them up there on the – but we did get to fly in together on uh, the, the space shuttle at Bear Sea with spacesuits on. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. From the, <laughs> from the Raptors. Um, yeah, and, and RJ got to do the hand. Ward, you didn't. You're probably pissed. RJ yeah, got to... I don't know. That was uh, that was that was a bad bad show there. Um, was, uh... 
you can hear you guys, uh, uh, and we'll wrap this thing up here, but uh, you can hear the respect you have for each other, uh, for all the races and everything else. It comes through in this in this phone call. Wardy, there's a little – in 1990, so R.J. breaks his wrist in 89 and, um, you know, struggles through Supercross. And I don't know – maybe this is a dumb question, but in 1990 and 91, are you, like, a little sad for Rick? Are you – not? I'm not a sad is the right word, but – are you a little like, man, that's that's a tough break for my guy that, you know, is was right there with me and now you know Yeah. I mean I respected Ricky so much as I did all the riders. I mean, because, mm-hmm. like I said, I know what I put in to win and what it takes and then when Ricky did get his wrist busted, I went down I went and visited him at the hospital in Gainesville. Or is it Gainesville or Daytona? Yeah, in Gainesville. Um, you went to the hospital? Gainesville. Yeah, I yeah. went to the hospital. Be- before he before doing. he went home he came to see me. Oh wow, Wardy. So, you know, I I don't want to see anybody. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, he was my main competition and and the guy that was winning the Supercross series and we were starting the outdoors. That was going to be another year of, you know, Ricky Johnson and, you know, Stanton was going to be in there and Bradshaw, whoever else was racing the class at the time. And, um, but, you know, I felt bad for, you know, when you hear an injury that could be career ending, it's it's not a good thing. You know, if it was just, oh, he just kind of messed his wrist up and he's going to be, you know, then probably I wouldn't have gone. I mean, ah, that's a bummer because yeah. I've had many of those injuries and, you know, nobody comes and sees you. You do your own thing. But when <laughs> right. it's something like, you know, that's that bad, it's like, no, that's a, that's not good. Right. So, um, you know, I, I didn't enjoy seeing any. He would have had many more, you know, yeah. at the end of the, Ricky's career. It would have been many more years of us battling. I had a couple good years after that. For sure. Then just got busted up to where, you know, you come to a point where it's like, you know, this just isn't happening anymore and <laughs> right. you want to win so bad and it's not happening and the risks are too high and you're too old. Right, you right. Know, you know, age, age catches up. So Yeah, there's a there's a story Denny Stevenson tells where he's racing you, Rick, at Daytona there, and I think he said it on the show, and he's like, come on, Rick, you're my hero, come on. And, you know, your wrist is sore, it's, it's, it's Daytona. You're probably having a hard, yeah. hard time holding on, and he's just like, come on. <laughs> so Yeah, I think, I think Wardy and I, I think that he was right in front of me when I broke my hand when I broke my hand at Daytona in 1990, you know, I came back and, and I won it, I won at Gainesville. Um, and then, but I, I pushed so hard that my hand, I didn't get to ride all week to get a thing, get bike set up. I just, I couldn't hold on. And so then on the race, I was right behind Wardy and went over the bars and then broke the bone in my hand. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's could have, should have, would have, yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I don't, I, I, had, I had a great career. I loved, I loved every, every minute of it, you know, even the, the painful parts. And, you know, I ain't have balls. She'd be my uncle, you know, <laughs> but she doesn't. And uh, she's not. <laughs> did either one of you two have any fan interactions with the other guy's fan that got creepy or weird or, or anything like that? Did any- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 By the way, and speaking of, and this what's funny is Wardy knows exactly what I'm talking about, the screamer from Binghamton, New York. This guy would flip me off and scream at me and, <laughs> and all this crazy, crazy stuff. And I headbutted him in the face one time with my helmet on. This guy just sent me a note, literally, Wardy, um, on no Facebook. Way. Hey, man, come come do one of these, like, Enduros and come ride with me and stuff. Hey, remember me? I'm, I'm the jackass. He's got, you know, go back and forth. But this guy would go nuts, man. And he loved Wardy. Yeah. And, and and I, for some reason, I could I never really figured out uh, – uh, Binghamton. Yeah, I, I was fast, but mm-hmm. Wardy would win, or Ronnie would win, and 
And so this guy would come in, and I called him the heckler because he would sit on the starting line right behind the thing going, you suck, Johnson. I'm Warrior, she's going to kick your ass. <laughs> and, and, like, I would look, I would I look over that. at Wardy, and Wardy's looking at me like, dude, I have nothing Laughing. to do with this guy. Don't, don't say, <laughs> right. don't, don't. He's just an asshole fan. He's not, I didn't right. put him there. And this guy I would get my him. motor running and get me so mad. And so until one year, I had this friend that was like this, Taekwondo champion. I'm like, you need to whip this guy's ass. I want you. I'll, I'll bail you out of jail. I want you to kick his ass. <laughs> so uh, I come, I come off the track uh, in practice, and this guy jumps out in front of me and he flips me off. And so I just go, wah, but I race up to him, and now I got him sliding. No way. Feet. So I grab him, I grab him by his shirt, and I headbutt him in the face. I almost break because those bell visors broke really easy then. <laughs> and I'm like, you're screwed, buddy. I go, you're done. He's like. Like wow, <laughs> it scared him. He's like, this. Uh, I was just like being a fanatic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Why are you taking it? Why are you getting so so personal? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but but that was that was that was the craziest fan. I remember looking over at Wardy, and then not like, dude, yeah, right. I'm going to kill you for this guy. But Wardy's like. He's kind of bugging me now too. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, what about you, Wardy? Any 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 RJ fans uh, get in your face? Uh, Nah, nothing like that. I remember that guy though. I remember that just going. I couldn't. I remember shaking my head. I just couldn't believe. It. I, I knew it, and I knew RJ was thinking. I paid the guy to right, yell at him. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm nothing real. I mean, I had a couple. I have a friend that he's a good friend now, Brian Segrest, who is manager of Cole Steely and a couple guys. He mm-hmm. was like 11 years old at Pontiac, and he'd sneak in and jump the fence and you know in the pits and and then uh, somehow he got my, my number because it was public, I guess. Oh, wow. And. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I'd be I'd fly home from like the nationals or whatever and get home like at one in the morning or one thirty and my phone would be ringing and <laughs> it'd be him because he, he didn't have any internet or back right. then you didn't have one eight hundred call you know whatever to call the yeah. results so he's calling me to get the results and and every time I came home that phone was ringing I'm like how long has this phone been ringing for me every time to walk in the door right it's ringing <laughs> so how many hours has it been going? It wasn't by luck that I just walked in and rang the first time. Yeah, right. So right. I'm like, my neighbors must just be loving me. They can hear my phone ringing all all night long. But oh. um, he was just a kid, 11, 12 years old, just wanted to know how he did. And right. we're still friends today. So it's That's pretty funny. funny. I'll, have to, I'll have to remind him that when I see him at the races. I'll yeah, to... yeah, he'll, he'll know. He knows. <laughs> he's my, he, calls, he says I'm a He's uh, my stalker. Right. He tells me I'm Morty's I'm already stalker. And at the at the World Deal Cup, Wardy, are you like, come on, RJ, put the mic down? Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other story there. I know, right? That's a good one though. I like it. Yeah. I, hey, I was just playing the game. Well, <laughs> I was just pissed off because I got suckered. I I went up there because I felt stupid. I'm like, you're no. like, I should have played the game, right? See, <laughs> but but if, but if RJ would have done it first, it would have been the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Trust me, if I had to do it over again, oh man, I would I would have made Bandit of uh, right. Um, I made the, I made some good money Vandenberg that night. Was, I won. Yeah. That? <laughs> I made some good money that night because I won. Ward, he was on the front yeah. row and he won and he won a lot of money. <laughs> oh, good Correct. times! Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Hey, uh, both of you, thank you for doing this. Uh, I hope you had a good time. I know uh, the fans I, listening. I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing with the great Rick Johnson and the great Jeff Ward. Thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Good stories. And, uh, man, I, I, it's, it's cool to hear you guys. You know, I mean, it's been a long time since you both lined up on the racetrack, but it's cool that you, you know, you both, you know, it sounds like you both have the ultimate respect for each other. And that's really cool. Yeah, we, well, we, I, was, 
what's funny now is we live pretty close to each other, but we, we never see each other. You know, we, we see each uh, other at a race or, right, or something right. like that. Or if I go to Day in the Dirt and I don't know how to work on, on motorhomes. And so my wife calls, <laughs> he's like, Wardy's our Schneider. It's like, oh, Wardy, the generator doesn't work. Oh, you got to push this. Oh, the, right. the, something wrong here. So he always, he's always comes to our rescue at Day in the Dirt, you yeah. know. So, uh, but, you know, it's great. What's awesome is that we got to, you know, extend. I was racing with one of Robbie uh, Gordon's trucks, and I couldn't make a race. And the first person I called was Jeff Ward. And, hey, Wardy, come do this. He's like, you want to do it? He's like, yep. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> as, as he does. And podium, first time ever in it. And so it, it's it's great to it's great to, to be friends after all these years. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's cool. So. For sure. For well, sure. I can't. No, now, now, Mathis, you know I can't do this. You know, we, we, you, you did make a one little mention of him, but I have to throw a shout out to my bro, Denny Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just got to throw his name. Got to say Denny Stevenson oh. at least three times. So, Denny, <laughs> wish you were here. Yeah, That's really. He'll be, he'll be stoked. He'll be stoked for sure. Hey, the, the show, the show you got to do is Denny Stevenson and, and Matasevich. Oh That'd no! Oh no! No, we had them. Oh, you did. I we, missed it. We chicken wasn't in studio, but chicken was on the phone for about forty minutes. And oh. let me tell you that I, I I left. I ended with the fact I need to get a reality show director <laughs> in here yeah. asap because I guess chicken yeah. now chicken now is into airbrushing, so everything in his house, Denny said, has flames and skulls on it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, staplers and desks and walls and yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think I need to go buy a Jeff Matasevich piece for my house. There's, or maybe get my go. mailbox. Hey, there, there's there's Jeff Ward and Rick Johnson, and then let's do the exact opposite show with Danny Stevenson and Jeff <laughs> Matasevich. <laughs> well, and then if you really want to have fun, is do the Brock Lover Bob Hanna show. Oh yeah, oh. We, we could do that too. Uh, uh, last time I talked to yeah. Bob, he was still angry at Kent Howerton. Still, so I'm Bob still angry. angry at everybody. I'm still angry. <laughs> still hates me, right? For whatever reason, right? Well, you made him he ride the, everybody. You made him ride the 125 at, at in '87. He was very upset about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he flipped me off at Seattle the one year. I was like one of my first years. I don't know, maybe because I was staying with him. I don't know, but <laughs> he just never went wide in the corner and just flipped me off for whatever reason. Right. It was pretty. And it did, was, uh, <laughs> did either it was one funny. of did either did either the obituaries of from Keith Bowen back in the day that he made and handed out at the races. No. no. Yes, yes. I guess when he was battling with Bowen, or Bowen was taking him out, he was very upset. He told me that he went to the Kinkos, made an obituary with Keith, put his photo there, and then handed oh, these God. obituaries out the next weekend. And Keith was still <laughs> racing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I believe it. <laughs> Sounds like Bob. Right. Right. Uh, awesome guys. Thank you for your time. Thanks. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see both of you soon. All right. Thanks, see, thank you, man. See you, Wardy. See you. Goodbye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil cylinders as a 
factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss this tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go.